Today on the ZabeCast, it is Feedback Friday, the best email follow-ups of the week and some very interesting addendums. LeBron is the king of the north. I might have to start rooting for this guy. He's amazing. Tim Murray joins us. He'll poop on my four-point shot idea. And speaking of duty, they've caught the high school track pooper in New Jersey. Thank God for that. If you've got 45 minutes to flush, then buckle up. Battle, let's go. Oh, 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 oh. Here we go. Friday, May 4th, 2018. May the 4th be with you. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot on social media today. Star Wars references. May the 4th. Uh, tomorrow, May the 5th, is Cinco de Mayo. And I've been seeing a lot of commercials uh, for beer. Uh, Corona was running a commercial last night during the playoffs talking about how Corona has never missed a Cinco de Mayo celebration. And it's got the music, and it's got people near a beach at a wonderful cantina with a nice deck, and uh, it's all perfect-looking, happy people. And, And there's that part of you, and this is why advertising works. I'm watching it last night, and I'm thinking, yeah. Maybe I should tell the wife that let's go find ourselves a Cinco de Mayo party. That looks like fun. And then we'd go out to a Cinco de Mayo party in Northern Virginia and realize, A, we're not at the beach, B, we're not skinny and pretty and free, and C, we've got kids that need tending at home. There's not enough corona in the world to make that a good Cinco de Mayo. Big night in the NBA last night. LeBron James went off again as the Raptors have been virtually eliminated down 0-2 after blowing, not blowing, blowing the first game and then losing game two at home, just going away, uh, sinking to the bottom of a lake like an old engine block. And the Celtics have put the Sixers and their mouthiness and their Meek Mill obsession into an 0-2 hole themselves. And we'll talk about that. Tim Murray, our friend, the Big Ginger, will join us in just a few minutes. couple of emails here I want to get to. I love emails. I still love them. You guys are good writers. You have interesting information. You make good points. And your punctuation and your grammar and your syntax is excellent. I appreciate that. Email me at Zabe. At yahoo.com. Brett Turley writes the following. Hi, Steve, longtime listener, second time emailer. For my job, I travel throughout the Pacific Northwest and maintain electronic equipment at various facilities. Hey, how about hey, that? Hey, how about that? All right. See, I'm kidding. That's a, a good for you, man. Someone's got to do it. You know he wanted me to press that button. Come on. Today, I was driving to, wait for it, Riggins, Idaho. When I was listening to your Friday's Abecast and, of course, your DC show where you were talking about Dallas's first-round draft pick, Leighton Vander Esch, and his hometown of Riggins, Idaho. No relation to John Riggins. He's not from there. Anyway, I took a handful of pictures of Riggins in case you are interested in seeing what this hellhole looks like from ground zero. I had said how the photo of Riggins from above a drone or an airplane or a helicopter was so picturesque. It was crazy. This town right on a river. That makes a sharp hairpin turn and a giant mountain in between the hairpin turn. Uh, Brett Turley writes to say, I didn't think the pics just show how steep and rugged the mountains surrounding this town are. I used to hike in this area quite a bit, and I can tell you that these mountains are filled with rattlesnakes, black bears, and several species of redneck, including toothless, drunken, and fugitive. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) That's a a 480-foot blast right there. Several... Species of redneck, including toothless, drunken, and fugitive. I congratulate Leighton for escaping Riggins and wish him the best of luck in his NFL career, especially after he leaves the soulless Blue Stars in free agency in a few years. Anyway, love the shows. Look forward to the return of the notorious J-A-Y. Peace out, Brett Turley, one percenter. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate that. And speaking of Jay, you know, as you know by now, Jay... Uh, has moved on from the radio station he was working at and the show he was working on because they're changing formats to political and they didn't have a show that was ready for him. They didn't have a role that they could say. They were going to keep him on to do board hopping and stuff at night. And Jay said, you know what, fuck that. He pulled a fuck that guy and those guys. I don't know if they necessarily treated him bad. It was just one of those seismic shifts that upended Jay from where he had been for the last eight years. On top of that, as life often does it when it rains, it pours, Jay's mother passed away uh, last week. She was 80 years old. Uh, She passed away of cancer, was diagnosed just two months ago, and Jay told me on phone yesterday, he said it just kind of ran away like a freight train. So 
another thing to keep Jay in your thoughts. Um, but Jay called me out of the blue yesterday to say thank you for giving me a laugh yesterday on the Zabecast when you and Bob and Brian were doing the Kim Jong-un bit about bringing his own shitter to the DMZ for that ceremonial handshake. And I said, damn it, Jay, that's really nice of you to pick up the phone and call me. And Jay was like, hey, I just want to say that I needed a laugh right then given all that's happened in my life. And that reinforces to me that this bit of tomfoolery, known as radio or podcasting or whatever, it does have its value when there is a connection there and there is a kinship with whoever you listen to and whoever is your favorite podcaster or broadcaster. Uh, This email did not have a name on it, but it says, Zabe, did you happen to see the report of Bruce Allen going back to the Raiders? Yes, I did. He has denied it, though, Bruce Allen, but it doesn't mean anything. People deny stuff all the time. I suppose we could only hope, he says, that he does. Also, if you look at the video on YouTube of when Deron Payne, our first-round pick, visited Redskin Park, he steps into Bruce's office, and there is a gold shovel clearly in the background. Perhaps a groundbreaking coming soon on a new moat, rock climbing wall, windsurfing venue or stadium for the Redskins. Try snooping around there at Redskins Park and see what's what. Yeah, I'll just go back today when I'm there at the broadcast studios and say, yeah, is Bruce in? Bruce in? Yeah, I, I, need to ch- I need to see what's in here. Where's that gold shovel, man? Bruce, I'm sure, does more than a few ceremonial openings of things and gold shovels being ceremonial objects. Get handed out, and I guess you get to keep them, probably. I don't think they're real gold. They're just sort of a plated. Maybe, though, it is the shovel that is going to be used in an upcoming groundbreaking for the new Redskins Stadium, although it's it's too early for that. They've got to you know get formal financing in place. They've got to make an announcement first. Uh, I think we're a long way from a groundbreaking, but maybe not. This email from Eric Kaiser to Kaiser. He writes, Zabe, Kansas City Chiefs suffragist here again. Today's podcast, ding, and your discussion of John Dorsey with the Browns, which I think is clearly ominous for them, it's not about who John Dorsey picked, it's how he did it. Although Dorsey did build a pretty solid roster here in KC, apparently he pulled the same kind of weird crap while as a chief for five years. There were documented issues with his management style. He was fired four weeks after Kansas City left Chris Ballard bolt to the Colts and take their GM job, and two months after the draft. The Chiefs were in salary cap hell because of poor uh, poor signings like Dwayne Bowe, questionable signings like Justin Houston, off-injured, Tamba Ali, old, or late signings like Eric Berry, and contract extensions. He also released Jeremy Macklin by voicemail. It might have been that Andy got paid and he didn't. That's why he was bitter. Either way, something happened in Kansas City that was a bad look for everyone. Now now John Dorsey does not let his staff know about who his number one freaking overall pick is going to be and the intentions of them until draft day? Huh, so much for that cultivate honesty and trust answer. It won't. Browns fans may be soon saying, F that guy. New podcast is great, by the way. Take care. Eric Kaiser. One last one from Kevin O'Neill. Kevin O'Neill, who used to... We used to have him on the air. He is still a professional handicapper and not a scam artist. It's a tough way to make a living, but he does do professional handicapping and point spread analysis. Kevin O'Neill. Kevin O. from Atlanta emailed me about the whole Brady situation because I wrote this week and I said this week that the Patriots have become a cult, that their players are so brainwashed by the cult of the Patriots and the cult of do your job that they will not openly rebel, or or even ask Bill Belichick, Sue, why didn't Malcolm Butler play at all? And the Tom Brady interview was eye-opening in that regard. Kevin O'Neill writes, say, watch the video of Brady when he says, I plead the fifth. It's about the 25-second mark in. So painfully rehearsed. Not organic at all. This is not how a normal person would deliver that answer in a conversation. He then moves on to more ways to be positive and says things about complex relationships and the need for someone to push the buttons, push his buttons, but he's obviously on a messaging campaign here. The cult, Zabe, says Kevin O'Neill, is Alex Guerrero. He clearly knows what he's doing from a rehab standpoint, despite his sleazy background and claims of curing cancer. Brady has an incredible level of devotion to him. 
I was once delayed in an interview on your show because you were interviewing Tom Cruise. Remember that? I do. One time, many, many years ago, we interviewed Tom Cruise. It was before the movie The Last Samurai came out, and I believe Cruise had invested a lot of money actually greenlighting the film, and so he wanted wanted it to succeed, and he agreed to do sports radio interviews. Tom Cruise. Brady is becoming more and more Cruise-like, says Kevin O'Neill, in his behaviors and actions. Having grown up just a couple of towns away from Foxborough, I miss the pre-pliability, Tom. As this descends further into a soap opera, the opportunity cost of losing Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be growing by the day. Kevin O'Neill. Good points all. And I appreciate your feedback. Send them to Zabe at Yahoo.com. Just a little blip on the on the thing. It should be good gooder now. Gooder. Gooder. It's not gonna matter. It's just a podcast. That's true. Just a podcast, just a piece of disposable content of which there is a mountain of out there. Listen to this. Listen to mine. No, listen to my podcast. I mean, I feel like one of the big dicks out there going, hey, listen to this. Listen to this. But I've been told, Mr. Murray, that it's good. And if you deliver good, people will keep coming back. That's the theory, at least. I'm hopeful. That'd be nice. <laughs> you're hopeful for that? Are you? Yeah. A, it sounds like you're a bit agnostic on the notion that quality is any sort of winning strategy in the current world of sports media. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Quality is a sucker's game, isn't it? Like, nobody pays for quality, and nobody pays for anyone to be right either. No, it's it doesn't all about matter. You... being loud and being obnoxious and having the best takes. By the way, we are rolling right now, so just, you know. No, no, in. no. We're I, in. I'm, I'm diving in. I'm, I'm you're, waiting. You're, I'm, your silence I'm, was just I'm marinating. Silence. You're marinating. I'm <laughs> marinating all this great wisdom from Steve Z. I am mad at you, though. Can't you leave the pod sphere to, you know, up-and-comers? You've got a fucking radio show. You're on in Wisconsin on a very popular radio show. And then you're just like, yeah, you know what? I think I'll ah, do, a I'm gonna do a podcast, too. I'm going to take, take other opportunities away from uh, the 24 hours of content for the up-and-comers, the go-getters in the world to to get out there. Well, I understand. I blame you. I understand your point. I understand. <laughs> I I feel you on that. It's like it's like play-by-play guys. You're like, you know, I've I've met Kenny Albert, and this isn't a knock on him. He is tremendous at his job, and is a super nice guy, by the way. But I'm like, dude, you're doing everything. You're on NBC Sports Network doing hockey. You do the Rangers games. You do MLB. You do NFL. I'm like, come on, bro. Give the other play-by-play up-and-comers a little bit of opportunity, but he might come back and say, hey, why don't you go fuck yourself? I've got a family to feed, and they keep asking me to do this because I'm good and better than you. And I'm like, well, fair point. Murray, have you ever seen the movie um, – oh, I-, I can't think today. Every now and then I have these days where – None of my brain recall works the way it should. Uh, there will be blood. Have you seen the movie There Will Be Blood? Let me do a quick Google search. Daniel Day-Lewis. No, as I'm the, not. As the oil catting, uh, becoming oil baron of the late 1800s, maybe? late. I don't know what time period, but basically when they discovered oil out west in the Midwest in Oklahoma and people were out prospecting, digging holes, trying to find oil, he ends up finding oil, getting really good at finding oil, and then becomes a complete monster at the end of it because he just wanted more and more oil. There will be blood. There is a great line at the end of that movie in a great scene in which he says to this other guy, I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Talking about how he would diagonally drill underneath your property to get at the oil vein that is rightfully underneath your own feet. And that he likened it to a giant straw and a milkshake. And he was like, I drink your milkshake. This was as he was beating this other guy's brains in with a bowling pin at the bowling alley in his mansion. Because he was that rich, having discovered all that oil. So, yes, the Kenny Alberts of the world, they do every assignment that they can. They never turn one down if their schedule permits it. Because it is an I drink your milkshake situation. And I'm in that milkshake business as well. But when it comes to podcasting, though, Murray, and by the way, you were cutting out there a little bit, like overdriving it maybe. Maybe your microphone's too loud or something. I don't know. But the point is, 
I don't think I'm denying anyone an opportunity because you or any other young up-and-comer could start their own podcast. Sure. And you could argue that by having you on mine, I'm giving you a boost up that people might go, I like that, Murray. I'm going to go listen to his podcast. No, I, I'm just... Do I'm, you have I'm a just, podcast? I don't have a podcast. I just you have ever a think radio about it? show. I've thought about it. I've yeah. done podcasts in the past. I did a uh, podcast strictly on the Nationals for a number of years. That was yeah. pretty enjoyable was it your own uh yeah it was it was me and uh now wizards beat reporter chase hughes we had a good time doing it okay and why'd you stop doing it because there was no money right well there was no money um and he stopped covering the nationals and i got fired from espn 980 so a lot of things kind of a lot of things conspired okay yeah well but i think you know it's it's interesting on the one hand it's very daunting to go fuck look at all these podcasts out there like, wh- what What good is my pile of spoken words next to everyone else's pile of spoken words? But if you do it for the exercise, if you do it for the ownership stake, and if you do it because it's going to make you better, even if you're not making any money, because I'm not making any money on this right now, uh, it's still, I think, a good exercise. Well, and I think in the world of instant gratification... For me, if I put a podcast out there on SoundCloud and I see that you know forty three people listen to it, I'm like, why am I doing this? But that's the wrong attitude to have. You just keep doing it, yeah. The reps, yeah. and eventually, if it's good, it'll catch on. It's gonna take a while. It, you know, Rome you, wasn't built in a day. You gotta keep on going at it. So you think if it's good, it'll catch on. That is still debatable. Or you could just say crazy shit, and then maybe it'll catch on. Right. Like, I'm trying to figure out if good really wins the day in the podcast realm. Quick, say something crazy. I'll grab it, and I'll send it to Steinberg, and then, boom, everyone's listening to the Zabecast. Right. You do need to be a carnival barker of self-promotion that will make your skin crawl. You have to have a little Clay Travis in you to go on CNN and say, I believe in the First Amendment and boobs, and then get another 400,000 followers on Twitter overnight. But you also run the risk at maybe losing a paying gig, depending on how outrageous it is of the thing that you say. And I just don't have that capacity to do that kind of stuff. I just don't respect that. I don't respect, and we've talked about this. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't respect people who I I truly believe don't believe in what they're saying. They are just saying it to get a rise in people. And if you can live with yourself doing that, and there are people out there, the Travises and the Baylisses and the Smiths of the world, herds. the cowherds of the world, look. I've been I was on your show for many years. I've listened to your show. If you say something that's outrageous, you believe it. I would imagine. Am I crazy to say that? I when do I ever say anything outrageous? Four point shot in basketball? <laughs> I legitimately believe we should have one. Why the right. fuck not? The three has become too easy for everybody. It's time for the four. Hello? Do you want me to respond to your four-point shot, or I was just going to let it? <laughs> boy, that uh, more that more marination, it, more boy, marinating that, on boy, the show. That was an air ball of chemistry right there. I literally <laughs> thought that you had dropped off. No, I, oh, well, oh God, fucking technology. Murray's not there. I'm right here. I just, I think that's. <laughs> so you think a four-point shot's stupid? I do because I just think you're getting into the realm of goofiness. What are, What are we doing here? Right. Is this Is this carnival? Are we playing rock and jock? celebrity basketball right, right, where they have little circles four point right. circles ten point circles that kind of stuff but the uh, big three moving, must be right up your alley because they have the four point shot you know what your your stance on the four point shot is similar to what it reminds me of what they said when they introduced the, the three, three point, point shot. shot i know they said all the same things and the original three point shot which maybe you're too young young timmy Hop was on Uncle Stevie's knee. Wasn't was, it between the th- foul it was, line? It, it cut underneath the top yeah. of the key. <laughs> go, go Google search some early pictures of the first three-point line. It was like 17 feet. It was a joke. It was like, really? That's going to be worth three. But now everybody shoots threes. And even the big men out there shoot threes. Like Baines last night for the, for the Celtics hit oh, a yeah? three. I'm like, that Sasquatch, he literally looks like a Sasquatch. Joel Embiid shoots threes pretty well. Right, a lot of big men do, and one of our big men, uh, Marcin Gortat, was asked by the media after the season was over, so, you think you might work on maybe adding a three to your repertoire? And his answer was basically, no, I'm in my last year, fuck it, it's not what I'm going to do. 
He pretty much shut them down, Murray, by saying, why would I start shooting threes? Hilarious. I do enjoy. I, I don't enjoy his play, but I at times I enjoy Marcin Gortatsness truthfulness. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. Those guys should yeah. lift. <laughs> right. I, I guess there's an appreciation for the bluntness of it, but at the same time, you're like, hey, fuck that guy. Why don't you add a three? It might make you more usable. Just Isn't go that in the a segment gym. on this podcast? Fuck that guy. Yeah, there'll be a fuck that guy later. All right, let's get to the NBA playoffs, and let's start with LeBron, because last night, again, <laughs> he was fucking ridiculous. Listen, I'm not anti-LeBron, but I don't root for LeBron because I find him to be exasperating every time I feel like I want to fall into, hey, you know what? I can get behind this guy. He is dominating to the point now. Last night, 43 points, 14 assists, 8 rebounds. The new king of the north. King of the north! Uh, he was so dominant last night. Lebronto, right. I said to myself, I'm like, fuck, I might have to now start rooting for him because he is laying waste to everything in his path right now. Any thoughts on whether or not you would root for LeBron? Do you root for LeBron? I I do root for LeBron in this sense. I like watching greatness. Do you like his greatness? Yes, he All is. All greatness is not the same, by the way. Understood. And, Kareem and, and Abdul-Jabbar I, was great, and I'm old enough to remember watching him. He never fucking made my penis go, mm, at all. He was just a, ooh, look at the big lurch with the sky hook. That's great. Foul that fucker. Now, I am a hypocrite because there are certain players I'm sure that I root against. I root against Belichick, even though he's great. Okay. I, I root against him. But I grew up with Jordan, and who didn't love Jordan as a little kid? You're watching him. Uh, crazy dude, people it, didn't love Jordan. This dude is so ridiculously talented. And I guess because, look, I, I played college basketball. I love the game. I love watching people who do things that just have never been done before. He had 40 points, eight. he had 43, 8, and 14. That's the fourth time he has done 48 and 11 in the playoffs. Yeah. Only other three people have done that ever, ever. before, right. and it was Clyde Drexler did it once, yep. Westbrook did it once, and uh, Jerry West did it once. Yeah. This dude is insane. And you know and the keep could... you know the keeper of all this stuff is Nick Wright from yes. FS1 because he is he the is. biggest he LeBron is... fan boy oh, yeah. ever, but makes no apologies for it. So in that way, I guess I kind of respect him. He goes on to Basketball Reference and does a quick query into their database of, has anyone ever had 40 and 14 assists in a playoff game? And the answer is no. Like, that just spits it out right there. So with all these milestones, he's now tweeting like, LeBron has now done this. Nobody else has done that. LeBron has now done this. Nobody else has done that. It's kind of fun to watch. And I don't, look, I don't appreciate and enjoy his antics on the court, his bitchiness, his flopping. That annoys me. It insists upon itself uh, to (laughs) to steal a line from Peter Griffin. I'm like, all right, dude. LeBron LeBron does insist upon himself because he wears T-shirts that say MVP and wears shoes that say the king. However, once again, that was funny because that was of knock at Ennis Cantor, who said, I don't know what, he's a king, he's the queen, he's the prince. And he wore the king, okay. And then he went to Madison Square Garden and took a dump <laughs> on the Knicks. So I kind of thought that was funny. Okay. Um, but what he has done, and at his age, and for how many minutes he's played, I respect the fact, he led the league in minutes this yeah. year, and he's doing things that he's never done before, and it's just enjoyable to watch. And I, I'm going to save this for a little bit later, but... The constant fucking comparisons just stop them. What, How to about Jordan? just sit back and enjoy what we're watching? You can root against him, but at some point you just got to be like, damn, that dude's good. He's not going to win the title this year. They're not better than the Rockets or the Warriors. There's, I don't think there's any way they can beat them. Those teams are complete teams, but he is so fucking good, and it is it is comical to watch this Toronto team where the narrative all year was, well, they've learned from their mistakes in the past. This is a new team. They won't melt against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've what? Now lost six straight games at home yeah. to the Cavaliers in the playoffs? That is yeah. a joke. This team is an embarrassment. They melt against the presence of LeBron. They should have won multiple times in game one, and they couldn't do it. There's just something about that dude that is just burned into their brain. And then to watch him yesterday, and, and I just enjoy the fact that he 
involves everyone on his team. Does he yell at his teammates? Yes, and he shouldn't at times, not, and it annoys me. He doesn't yell at he him enough right now. When he doesn't, Zabe, when These he doesn't rotate correctly, when he doesn't rotate correctly in defense and then tries to blame a teammate, I'm like, dude, you were in the wrong LeBron. position. Yes, LeBron, yes. you were in the wrong position. But his he, his assist-to-turnover ratio in this series is 27-2. to two. That's ridiculous. That's, that's just stupid. All right, so Toronto is a fraudulent one seed, just like Atlanta was a fraudulent one seed about, what, five years ago? With well, Mike, Boston last year, too. Boston Mike was Boone probably the worst. Boston last year, uh, and you give credit to Brad Stevens, but they were a fraud as a one seed last year. Okay, so it's making the regular season even more irrelevant than ever. Oh, yeah, because, because Cleveland's in the East, LeBron recognizes that his path is, is, I wouldn't say easy. I'm sure he didn't want to play the Pacers in the first round, and that's why he went so hard in that Philly game at the end of the season, and they lost by, what, two or three because he okay. missed a free throw. I think he wanted the three seed, um, but he didn't give a shit about the one seed. Yeah, well, he's making it look that way for sure. Let's talk about the Celtics for a second, and let's talk about Brad Stevens because, man, that team is just so full of guys that all have a little something to do and they know exactly what to do, and they're fun as hell to watch, and right now Philly is being reminded, hey, maybe you guys should shut the fuck up because you have not done anything as of yet. All that talk and all that yapping, nice regular season win streak, you've done nothing. You need to start winning against a better opponent, and they're 0-2 in the series now. Philly is extremely talented, and I think they will be good at some point, but you don't just show up in the playoffs and say, boom, we're going to win. That winning streak... As impressive as it was, let's go through it. Knicks, Nets, Hornets, Grizzlies, Magic, T-Wolves, Nuggets, Knicks, Hawks, Hornets, Nets, Pistons, Cavaliers, good, Mavericks, Hawks, and uh, and Bucks, pretty good. So it was, a, beat, it was a shit flume of bad teams, yeah, basically. They, and, and in the NBA, usually you just don't give a shit one night and you lose to a bad team. So credit to them for Caring keeping every the night. foot on the... Right. Yeah, caring every night. By the way, did you did you have do you have that memorized or how did Absolutely. you call- <laughs> I'm like, wow, Murray Didn't right look now it up at all. Right now Murray on the spot is like, here here's who they beat in the 17 game win streak. So yeah. You're like, shit, that's impressive. This dude knows his NBA. But as far um, as as far as the Celtics go, so this was oh, last night. Okay, I'm Brad watching- Stevens makes my peenie go because like this dude is you, a- but my peenie just went oh. Yeah, no, he's great. He, he he's has everyone. Fu- he's fucking Yoda, man. He is this dude is and he doesn't hey. berate reporters, and he doesn't nope. give two-word answers to courtside interviews, and he doesn't shove his social justice issues down your neck. What a shock. How is he even surviving in the NBA without being a complete <laughs> prick? I don't even know who you're talking about. Yeah, what like, coaches are you talking right, about? Right, like Gandalf the Woke down there in San Antonio. Sorry about your wife, obviously. Okay, so back to Stevens and the Celtics. Here's the thing last night I'm watching. I, I can't believe... And, and this guy's on the Sixers, not the Celtics. But T.J. McConnell, you've got to be fucking kidding me about this guy. I'm watching going, this guy looks like he won a contest for, did you play rec league basketball? Would you like to be in an NBA game? <laughs> Enter here. And he won the lottery. <laughs> and that fucking haircut of his, with him wiping it off his brow, I was, I was like, I would fucking, I would punch your fucking face off <laughs> if I saw you, you little tweeb. With that stupid haircut. Now, maybe I'm hair jealous, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this because Charles Barkley got in trouble for saying, I want to punch somebody's face in. And McConnell would probably beat me up. But still, I couldn't stand him because of the hair, Murray. He kept wiping the hair out of his face. TJ McConnell's one of those guys where you're sitting on the couch with your boys. You're like, pfft. Put this guy, put this guy, like the Steph Curry argument, yeah, put him in the, put him in the streets, man, and he, we'll, we'll shut him down. I'm like, no, you won't. He'll drop fucking 70 on you. It's like Scalabrini, who everyone was like, you suck, you're Looked a like bench a dork, player. But he and was then in he the went NBA. out and played a bunch of fucking people and beat their brains in, like 11 to nothing. Okay. That's what McConnell would do to but you. But last night they were taught, because McConnell got McConnell extended played well run. last night. He did. He, he, uh, he had two sneaky layups. He got a big offensive board, made a nice dish for an easy layup uh, to uh, Saric, and they kept him in way longer than anyone thought because Ben Simmons was apparently, I don't know. All in his head. On a, on a milk carton or something. He sucked yeah. last night. But McConnell's but- line, how efficient he was. He played 17 minutes. He was 4 for 4 from the field. He had an offensive rebound that you mentioned. He had five assists, no turnovers, and two steals. It's a hell of a night. 
It's pretty good. Pretty good all told. But at one point, but, they brought in the backup point guard for Boston, number eight. Uh, and that guy looked similar. It was McConnell uh, versus eight. Uh, Shane Larkin. Shane five foot, Barry son. Five foot eleven Shane Larkin, who played his college ball where, Murray? I'm now looking uh, at He up. went Come to on, Miami. Ned. Yeah, there you go, Miami. So it was Shrimpy McLarkin against <laughs> TJ fucking McConnell. By the way, his real name, Timothy John McConnell, just like you, Murray. That's right, baby. Old T. Why don't you, why didn't you go by TJ since you're a my Timothy dad used John. to call me TJ every okay. once in a while. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So watching McConnell versus uh, you know Shane Larkin, I was Shane like, Larkin. I was like, this is one third of a rec league game with some of the baddest athletes on the planet. So I love Tatum. I mean, I'm completely in love with Tatum. Is there any reason not to love Tatum in his game? No, he's okay. he's really good. And he's... to think that the Celtics traded down, got extra assets from the Sixers, who then moved up to get Fultz, who I think was a DNPCD last night, he is was. one of the great blunders. Even if Fultz comes around and is a regular player, he now has to be super, super good, given how good Tatum is, to make that trade worthwhile, right? The Fultz story is just so fascinating because I I just don't know what happened. He was, Zabe, he was a consensus number one. There was no debate. Like, he was the best player in that draft. He shot over 40% from three in college. Yep. He was a, a drive-and-dish dude. He was really good. But, yeah. This isn't this isn't Odin getting picked by Portland over Kevin Durant. This is something we've never seen because it's Odin over Durant, and then the Seattle Supersonics also got a fucking first-round pick that's going to be <laughs> in the top five. They have either the Lakers pick this year or the Kings pick next year unprotected. I think from everything I understand, it's going to be the Kings pick next year unprotected. Okay, the hold Kings on. Kings are just a disaster. Slow down, because I'm trying to look this up on the fly. What did the Celtics get to scooch down? Was it two spots from one to three and to take two? Yeah, the Celtics, were, the Celtics were one. 76ers were three. And the Celtics, or the 76ers, because they've been in the process mode, they've just been trading assets forever. They had acquired, it's a bit confusing, and I, I don't have 100% all of it locked in, but they have either the, the Lakers pick this year, or if the Lakers pick falls between two and five, that goes to the Celtics. Okay. Or they have an unprotected Kings pick in 2019. Wow. I believe that is what the, dra- oh, wow. the trade was. And they're getting back uh, the kid from Utah, and they're getting back uh, Kyrie yeah, Irving Gordon at Hayward. some point. So Gordon Hayward and, and Kyrie Irving are coming back, and they're right. going to get another number one pick. It's almost like they, they're going to win. And some people think, and some people think, Zabe, that they're going to call San Antonio and have a, a, a for Kawhi a something to for Kawhi. Because if you look at, and we talked about this, what, two weeks ago, the teams that Kawhi could go to with the assets, and we joked about the hypothetical of Beal and Wall for Kawhi, but teams that could actually give San Antonio something that's act, uh, that's quality, Celtics have this pick, have this Kings pick. Huh. That, is, that is gold. And then they also have young talent that at some point they're not going to be able to re-sign all these guys. They're going to have a decision this offseason what to do with Marcus Smart. Terry Rozier at some point is going to command real money because he's proven to be pretty darn good. And Jalen Brown is, is proven to be a, a really good player as well. So they have these young pieces that at some point, Zabe, they're not going to be able to sign all of them because they've got the money in Horford. they got money in Kyrie. Uh, they've got money in Gordon Hayward. So there's going to be a point in time where they're not going to have enough money to go around to keep everyone happy. So they're going to make another move, whether it be this offseason or next, right. and it's going to make them even better. All right, here's who else I love in the NBA playoffs. Joe Ingles. This big oh, oaf. He's great. Isn't he great? Just a big oaf Aussie shooter with a receding hairline for the Utah Jazz who just lumbers around out there and then knocks the bottoms out of big-time threes. Bing, and, of bang, course, boom. he's a lefty. He he has to be Ooh, a lefty. Just he is something a lefty. about a. I didn't oh, notice yeah. that he's just got lefty stroke. White it's lefty so beautiful. Shooter <laughs> from from Australia. I don't know anyone. And of, yeah. he's a sneaky de- he's a sneaky good defender. That's what there's, I hear. There's numbers out there that that back up the fact that Ingles is a pretty good defender as well. All right, let's go through who else you either like or don't like on the various teams that are still left. I don't like 
anybody on Golden State. I mean, I marvel at Steph Curry. Durant is obviously great, but t- from a taste standpoint, those guys have have lost me. So I'm not a super fanboy of either guy. Same thing for Houston. I would get behind the unibrow with the Pelicans, but eh, I don't know. I love Mitchell though for the Jazz. Love yeah. Ingles uh, for them. I love Tatum for the Celtics. Uh, LeBron, I'm sort of warming to. I kind of was, you know, starting to get into some of the Raptor players, even though they beat our Wizards. But now they're such bums, I can't be into them. And as far as the Sixers go, I want to like Embiid, but I want him to talk like 20% less. <laughs> uh, you don't like JJ? Reddick's good. With his, with his arm sleeve? With, I, like, when did he say, fuck it, I'm going full biker here? You know, we all thought of him as this nice, proper, white dookie. And now he's all tatted up. Of course, Cherokee Parks was also the same guy. Like, bro, what's with all the, what the, all the ink? Well, Cherokee Parks went full nuts. So he went neck tat. He went. He went. Uh, he well, went. He went. Birdman. I know. Us. Guess what? JJ Redick is on his way. You get two full arm sleeves when you're a white guy who is not. Well, he's got one arm. He doesn't have two arm sleeves. Oh, he he just got the one. Okay, and he's pretty jacked up too. You, if you're gonna go arm sleeve, fit. you gotta get. You gotta get jacked. Like I can't go arm sleeve. It would be like, wow, you have a lot of tattoos on your toothpicks of arms. You fucking pussy. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? All right, but if you did start lifting, would you get tattoos? Uh, I don't. How about no. a tattoo? Have you ever have, thought of a tattoo? I have thought of a tattoo. And what would it be? Uh, the Irish. Times. It would be the Irish. Yeah, logo. some stupid, some stupid logo. You know, some stupid cross I on the back. Be, even though I, I'm not religious. I think you might be the first. <laughs> I think you might be the first guy to ever get a fighting Irish tattoo. Actually, be the first guy to do <laughs> first one ever. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good the, one. The first, the first guy who never went to Notre Dame to get the Notre Dame logo <laughs> yes. tattooed on their body. I don't think that's ever happened. Never before. happened. Yeah. In fact, I think however, I most... might be, I might be the first one to accomplish that. Not from New Jersey or New York. Probably so. Would you get a Redskins tattoo? No, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a huge Redskin fan. Because why? Because of the current well, no. ineptitude, or no, no, growing no. up? Uh, growing up, I growing up in the D.C. area. So my folks are from Long Island. So they came down here in '84. I was born in '87. So I'm the only Marylander in so my you were family. Born, you were born though in Redskin territory. I was, and I am a Redskin fan. But my dad was so crazy Notre Dame. So Saturdays were huge in our house. But my dad's also not a mo- a monster sports fan. So I kind of took his Neither Notre Dame dad. fandom. My dad's I very took his Notre Dame fandom fan. and uh, just and multiplied it. So Notre Dame, I'm sure for most of the people in the DC area, Notre Dame is my Redskins, you know. Okay, I know that, Murray, but it doesn't necessarily compete. You're talking college no, I understand. Pro. I just I, so okay, but I I grew up so I grew up because there was no allegiances in my household to any professional sports teams. So I grew up. Liking particular players. So okay. I liked Bo Jackson. I liked Frank Thomas. So my teams growing up were the were players. Right. Your teams were the players that you liked, and that is yeah. a hallmark. I liked the White Sox for right. most of my life. Right. You know, you, you, I was I was that kid, I will say, I was that kid who liked Duke until high school, and then I was like, <laughs> why do I like Duke? I like Grant Hill. I loved Grant Hill. So, See, now, you know, the, 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 I, there's nothing – okay – there's nothing to be ashamed of this because you are part of the generation of choice in right. sports where when cable TV and when you could buy jerseys and hats and shirts and shit on the internet from anyone, then the the, the bonds of I have to root for this team because it's where I live were broken. And so the era of choice was dawned upon sports fans and kids started to like certain players. And by association then, they liked the teams that they were on for as long as that player was on that team. And then if that player moved, they might say, okay, I'm on to another team. And I also didn't have a father who would say, what the fuck are you doing? This is a right. Redskins house. If I had come home and with a Miami shirt on 
and and I'd be like, eh, go Hurricanes. My dad'd be like, get out, get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah, he hated Jimmy Johnson right. and still does with a fiery passion. Right. It's hilarious. You also, my didn't... dad is still stuck in the 1980s Notre Dame world where he hates Jimmy Johnson more than anyone. I'm like, all right, Dad, let, let's move on. Miami hasn't been good for two decades. Yes. Here. You didn't have a father who would overlook those transgressions, and you did have a mother who. Hugged so you my out. son, <laughs> I can't envision. So there's a lot of things going on in Tim's background that he's trying to work through, <laughs> but he's got a good therapist. So hang with yeah. him on that. Back to the Redskins. So. With this, with this cheerleader story that cropped up this week, and yeah. without getting too into the nuts and bolts of the merits or demerits of it, I think the big, big picture, Tim, as we zoom on out, is this franchise can't get out of its own way on little things as well as the big things. They could do four big things right or well, but the little things continue to bedevil them. And until they figure out that they have no margin for error on all of the little things, they're going to be stuck where they're stuck as the punching bag of the league. It's depressing to me. It's depressing that these little things keep cropping up because these are things that the owner and the people that he employs could control if they were to start bearing down and saying, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're going to be better here, we're going to do this instead. None of that has to do with the fickleness and the difficulty of winning football games and championships in the NFL, which is very, very hard. 32 teams are trying. Only one team can win at the end. It's shit like don't make headlines for an embarrassing cheerleader trip. I'll hang up and listen to your answer off the air. One thing that I grabbed from this embarrassing story whether it's true or not and there's two sides to it guess what doesn't matter if it's true or not at this point it's the the embarrassment has hit the hit piece columns from all over the country are landing like bombs so you're right it doesn't matter if it's true or not now it's embarrassing but the thing that i pulled from this and this is what i've pulled from multiple statements about the team name and this is obviously something that you have uh been astute to as well the guy making the statements is also the guy running the player personnel. That bothers me that Bruce Allen is the one making statements about this cheerleader controversy. Bruce Allen is the one coming out and knocking, you know, set, talking about the name. Fucking focus on player personnel. That's why Scott McLuhan was brought in here. Scott McLuhan wasn't going to make statements about this shit. He was going to focus on the 53 men in the building. Bruce Allen has so many responsibilities. He's got his hand in so many different pots. As a as a Redskin fan, now I'm, I said I'm a, you I want, a Redskin you want, fan. Right, you, I'm not a huge Redskin fan. I'm I, not massive live and die. I want, and maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this is uh, uh, overlooking the important important part of this story. And on this podcast, I'm I'm okay saying that. I want careful. My, this podcast gets out there, and everything you say can and will be but, held against you in a court of public opinion. Go ahead. Is it too much to ask that I want the guy? who is determining who is on the 53-man roster making decisions in free agency, making the draft picks, to solely focus on that. On that. No, no, no. You're and that not, alone. No, not, no. Be, not be right. deciding about the, the pants and homecoming and <laughs> the name. Working and on the all stadium issues. Yeah. No, I right. just want that guy to focus on the football team. And maybe that's why, Zabe, for two and a half fucking decades, this franchise hasn't won 11 games. Yeah. No, you're not wrong in wanting that. And I would like that structure as well. But Bruce does other stuff. He's working hard on the stadium issue to try to get Dan a new stadium. And he's got his fingers in other business development things. And, yes, he does oversee the personnel department. And his call, I don't know if his call's final on things, but he is actively involved. I think he was probably the active guy working on the trade for Alex Smith. He's got to sign off on certain salaries of guys. So you're right. He's got a lot going on. I just look at it like, okay, I I agree with you that when it comes to an embarrassing story like this, you don't want Bruce Allen making the statement saying, we take this seriously, we're going to into it. You want like a Jerry McFunction team president who nobody's ever heard of issuing a statement saying, "We're, we're concerned about this, we're looking into it, we're going to fix it. But the, the clowning on the franchise, and of course, even though the name people lost that war and the Washington Post survey of a 1,000 uh, Native Americans said either A, we don't care, or B, we kind of like it, that ended the war. But there's still that cheap shot available 
to pick that up and to stick that in there as part of a media person's overall litany of gripes against Snyder and the Redskins. And they're using it now. And your boy A.J. Francis used it yesterday. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> your boy, I know. I, we, I like I, A.J. I've had, I've everyone, had him on the show once. Everyone likes A.J. He's I've a great, had him on the show. He's a good show. dude. Yeah, but guess what? Fuck you now. He's, yeah, he's right. my fuck that guy. Well, no, I got a different fuck that guy for the week. But he should be my fuck that guy because he's acting like they don't watch film with the Redskins. The Giants do. They signed me because I had a great game in week 17. Bro, the Giants sucked. The Giants were a corpse by the time you were playing against them. I would be shocked if you made the regular season roster, you dummy. You're a 10-day jobber. Stop acting like you, what, they didn't treat me the right way when they cut me. They didn't say oh, we're really sorry, or thank me. That's not how it works in the NFL. Yeah, as uh, as you've played many a times, we're running a business here, you know? Yeah, we're running a I, business. Look, I liked, I had A.J. Francis on uh, the short-lived uh, DMV game time. He was a great interview. Sure. But, he, but the the fact is, he was undrafted, so everyone hated him, I guess. He's been on the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, the Redskins, now the Giants. I like A.J. Francis. Good dude, but eh, it's enough already. I think he was – I was like, come on, bro. Okay. All right. It's time to play once again. Oop, hold on a second. We are going to edit that. It's the loveliness of editing here. All right. It is time. Load it up. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Mr. Murray, who is your fuck that guy for this week? Well, I alluded to it a little bit earlier when we talked about LeBron. Fuck the guy that after every goddamn LeBron game. You watch the language brings up the comparison. Well, Jordan would have done this. Or if you're pro LeBron, well, LeBron did this and Jordan never did that. Can we just sit back and enjoy a basketball player who is still playing? His career's not over. He is still playing. How about this? Jordan was awesome and LeBron is awesome. Never played against each other. Two different eras. They're both really good at basketball and I enjoy that. LeBron was a dickhead at times, or LeBron is a dickhead at times. Jordan was a dickhead at times. Just a different kind of dickhead. Just a, he would punch people in practice. All right, so you Lebr- say to the constant comparer guy. On both sides, the, the LeBron sucks guy and the Jordan or the LeBron is better guy. Fuck both of you. Just sit back, enjoy, and when how about when LeBron's career is over, then we can get into the comparisons that are going to nauseate us forever. All right, my fuck that guy goes to Norby Williamson of ESPN. Did you see how they Ooh. were Norby Williamson, who is one of the executives up there? He's one of the underlings. He he was not the cocaine fiend that was John Skipper. He was one of John Skipper's lieutenants. Still is up there. So Norby Williamson said recently, bragging about Sports Center's ratings bump in the last two months from a year ago, that he said, "quote Murray." We didn't do our due diligence on SC6. We were making it too much about Michael and Jamel, Michael and Jamel, Michael and Jamel. That is a guy throw. Uh, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill are probably sitting there going, hey, we're still here. Yeah, we still we work at ESPN. <laughs> like, you know, besides, a year ago, you're like, oh, this show's going to be great. Michael and Jamel are the best. They're hip. They're young. They're fresh. They've got great takes. We love their chemistry. We're going to make them. The- and now it's like, no, we, we didn't do our due diligence. We made it too much about them. To Norby Williamson and every person in management who is just as two-faced as can be fuck that guy all right murray anything else to add before we're out of here this week i think we uh cover i think we covered it all this weekend going to the beach this weekend hey i called a baseball game went to my old stomping grounds yesterday the frederick keys tim murray memorial broadcast booth and uh, what was the final score uh how many hits how many runs how many left on base stranded See, the even keys you won. The keys beat the Salem Red Sox six to three. <laughs> Do you remember that? Or you looked it up. Uh, I think I remembered it correctly. I'm pretty sure it was six three. All right, follow. Uh, no, eight three, eight three. 
<laughs> Follow Tim Murray on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Right, Timmy boy? That's me. And That's listen me. to him on SB Nation AM. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Zabe. You're just the best. We'll end with this today. What is wrong with people? Dateline, New Jersey. Homedale. High school's mystery track pooper identified as school superintendent. Good God! That's right. Apparently somebody was leaving poop. Human poop on the athletic field at a New Jersey high school every single day. And they were wondering, uh, who's doing this? And it's kind of disgusting that they were able to suss out, this is not deer poop, this is not bear poop, this is not goose poop, this is not duck poop, this is human shit. The investigation began after staff and coaches at Homedale High told us school resource officers they were finding human feces in the athletic area, quote, on a daily basis. Staff members joined the school resource officer in monitoring the area and were then able to identify a suspect or a suspect responsible for the acts. Thomas Tremaglini, 42, arrested at 5.55 a.m. after he was observed defecating on the football field. He was charged with public urination or defecation, lewdness, and discarding or dumping of litter. So let's see, wait, there's public urination or, they put urination or defecation in the same boat. You would think that public shitting would be a higher classification of crime than peeing in public, but I don't write the legal codes in the state of New Jersey. (laughs) Discarding and dumping of litter. I think they could get that one knocked off his charges. Given the nature of the charges he's asked for and was granted a leave, a granted a paid leave of absence. (laughs) The high school track pooper has been given a paid leave of absence. Uh, He also has declined to resign his position as of yet. Leave of absences can only be without pay in the face of indictments or tenure charges as a matter of state law. So good luck getting him off the payroll. You're going to have to blast him out, even though he has been caught as the high school athletic field pooper. Currently, Tremaglini collects an annual salary of $147,504. Nice work, if you can get it. Public records also indicate he works part-time as a professor at the Rutgers Graduate School of Education. Professor Shitstain. I don't know what's going on there. Obviously, he got some sort of illicit thrill at, (laughs) I'm shitting on the field right now. But he needs therapy on this. And uh, the lawyers, well, as LeBron James likes to say, the lawyers will figure it out. That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and your FedEx guy. Leave a positive review. Download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets. And enjoy Cinco de Mayo this weekend. And don't let bad chimichangas go through you like shit through a tin horn, as the saying goes. Otherwise, you could be the next high school track pooper. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.